The Bruins had a season-long four-game losing streak. It was not pretty, but they did put an end to it in Buffalo with a 4-1 win over the Sabres. We're going to get into our opening shifts, but before we do that, I am very honestly very proud, Bridget, to, to throw this over to you. You have some exciting news to share um, with some uh, 2024 endeavors for you. Let's let's, let's Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so I can finally announce that I've had um, in the works a few different things for my career. So uh, back in December, I got hired for the doing the women's bean pot. Uh, so I'll be broadcasting all four of those games on Nesson, and we will have a great all-female crew. Uh, Sophia Yerkesovich will also be part of that broadcast, hosting the intermission. So we'll be doing all four games for that, um, which is exciting because it'll be the first time the women's bean pot uh, championship game will be played at TD Garden. So I know everybody on the women's side of things is really happy about that. And I'm happy to be a part of that as well. And then after that, I actually got some even bigger news. I also got hired to be one of the broadcasters for the PWHL Boston team. So I just signed my contract yesterday. Um, and that home opener for Boston is January 3rd. So we're right. We're almost at the season. It's less than a week away. Um, so I'm really excited to be part of that league as it starts up. Um, and now I have a lot more work guys, but, uh, I'll still be here. I'll still be with you. Um, I'm just going to be really freaking busy. So have fun trying to, uh, pick a time for us to record because luckily I'm doing the home games only. If I was traveling, this would probably be impossible, but no, I will still be here, um, doing the podcast, going to the Bruins games, doing my other two jobs at hockey East and Providence, but, um, two exciting little new job opportunities for me. So thanks for letting me uh, announce that here. Yeah. And I obviously echo Brian that it's awesome. And we're very proud of you and extremely well-deserved. Um, anyone who's, you know, listened to, to Bridget doing a college hockey broadcast knows she's very good at that. So um, yeah, just the bean pot for sure, but especially the W and uh, PWHL, like that's, that's really exciting. Um, I'm excited for that league. I think I'm gonna, probably going to go to that opener. Uh, it's right down the street from me at the Sangha Center in Lowell. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of the best women's players in the world in that league. So mm -hmm. that you know, hopefully, hopefully they they hit the ground running and uh, give us some great women's hockey. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be played at the Sangha Center up in Lowell, which that's what Scott's referring to. Really close to, to Scott where he lives. Um, and actually the Toronto, Ottawa and Montreal home openers are all sold out already. Like Toronto's entire season uh, is sold out, believe it or not. Um, and they're playing at the old Maple Leafs gardens uh, up in Toronto. So um, the Canadians are all over this. Uh, we, we got to get, we got to get the Americans on board too, but I know there was a lot of support for the Boston pride and hopefully that transfers over to the new Boston PWHL team. Yeah, I was, I, was looking, I was looking at tickets the other day like, just for the heck of it, and there are still some left. So, you know, if people want to go, they can still get tickets. But um, it wasn't a ton. Like, it, there were a bunch of sections in the song that said, at least for the opener, said, like, limited availability. So uh, definitely it seems like, you know, there's some excitement. And that's obviously a much bigger venue than where the Pride played, which mm -hmm. you know, their games were in Warrior. 
I love Songus. Songus is one of the best places to broadcast. It's also like newly renovated. I don't know actually when the renovations were, but it looks really nice. Um, I love broadcasting there. And if if it adds to anyone, come say hi to me. I will say hi to any of our podcast listeners. If you want to come up to me before the game and just say hello, um, I will be more than happy to. And I'll bring some Scott's Pop stickers. I'll hand those out. Uh, <laughs> so I'm excited for that. It's coming up quick. I'm really cramming for it because a lot of information to try to get together about, you know, all of these new players in this new league, but I'm excited for it. Now, one thing you don't have to memorize just yet is, is team names, just cities, right? The teams just don't cities. have to It's yet. kind of like the Washington football team. It's like the Boston PWHL team. That is who I'm broadcasting for named to be determined. A lot is to be determined right now, but Name. I want them to wait on the name though, because I want it to be a good name. Okay, <laughs> it needs take some time. Take some time. Think about it. Make it good. I know. What would be? A, I'm trying to think. Put us on the spot here. What a what a good what a good name would be for a Boston team. Maybe we can think of one by the end of the podcast. What our, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll bring it. Right. I'll bring it to my bosses later. Okay. Hey, they should just since they're in Lowell, they should just bring back the Lowell Lock Monsters. Just be the Lowell. Lock Monsters. <laughs> Wouldn't it, it'd be the Boston Lock Monsters. Yeah, it would have to be Boston. That's what I'm saying. Just, just throw Lowell on there. We're, we're, we'll adopt them. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, Bridget, that's awesome news and, and very exciting. Uh, so, uh, as it pertains to the Skate Podcast and the Bruins and the in recent games and news, yeah, let's just dive right into it. We've had a few days off, obviously, for the holiday. So, um, there's, what, three or four games maybe that we, we missed. Um, but we're going to talk about them now. So, opening shifts. And, and Scott, why don't we start with you? Well, the vibes have totally changed for this team. Uh, you know, the last time we recorded, I think they lost two in a row, so there's starting to be some negative vibes, and then they lost two more after that going into Christmas break uh, in Winnipeg and Minnesota. Um, really just played poorly in those two games, especially the Winnipeg game. They, you know, started a little better against the Wild, but then fell apart. Um Seems like the Christmas break just came at a perfect time for them. Uh, a lot of the the talk after practice today was just about kind of mental mentally resetting, um, you know, getting away from getting their minds away from the game a little bit over Christmas, and then just coming back with a better attitude yesterday in Buffalo. Jim Montgomery even said that you know he he noticed himself kind of getting negative about things and was able to reset and kind of come back to the rink on Tuesday with, with a more positive approach. And then when they got on the ice for practice on Wednesday, they hit the ice to an awesome atmosphere at Warrior uh, with it being school vacation week. It was packed. It was standing room only. There were a ton of kids, obviously, on vacation. Um, signs, chanting, cheering, like reacting to big saves and goals. Like, it was, it was great. It was a great atmosphere. And I think the players fed off that Montgomery said it was the best practice they've had in a long time. Um, so yeah, it's amazing just what, you know, a couple of days and a little bit of a reset can, can do for a team because now it's, you know, seems like everyone's feeling, feeling really good about themselves. And that was not the case four days ago. Yeah, actually it's kind of funny. Those practices are, aren't they open to the public? Yeah. You can really just kind of head in there and, and enjoy them. And as you know, as a hockey fan, if I if I lived closer and I was like a young kid, I would I would have gone all the time. Uh, and I have seen some cute moments there because um, 
this was actually at their old practice rink, but Charlie McAvoy, there was this one uh, fan who had autism and Charlie McAvoy was just coming out of BU and he was like his biggest fan at BU. And he like had a sign and was cheering for him and Charlie came over and took some pictures with him. So like there's, you, there's an opportunity to kind of get closer and, and see a little bit different side of the the players a little bit closer up for people who want to go to practice. Um, it's, it's a good option. I will go to my opening shift, which is quick before you do yours um it, it was full like an hour ahead of time because i think i don't know exactly how the public finds out like what time practices are or whatever but i think a lot of people thought it was an 11 a.m practice which most of theirs are today was actually a noon practice because they got back late from buffalo and i got there at 11 30 and it was already standing room only and from what i understand like it was packed by 11 a.m so uh an hour ahead of time and you know everyone just stayed and seemed to have a great time yeah yeah no i mean go if you if you live there walk right over um but yeah so i'll get to my opening shift so for me a huge difference in this game after the break in buffalo was the power play um and so they go three for four on the power play which and it was clicking better than it has been in the previous, I don't know how many games it's been, it's been a while since it's really been clicking well. And it was really coming from that second power play unit too. Charlie Coyle um, and Jake DeBrusque working really well on the power play together on that second unit. Uh, Pasternak and Marshawn were out there, I believe for both of those power play goals. Uh, Cause Pasta stays out there for both units. Like he's out there pretty much the entire power play. Um, but I think one of the main reasons why they were able to dominate the game the way they did was Buffalo took a lot of penalties and the Bruins were able to capitalize on the power play. Yeah, the power play was great. And, you know, it's also, uh, it leads into another discussion about their five on five generation and, and lack thereof and lack of production there, but at least the, the power play and the special teams came through against Buffalo. Uh, for me, I, I think that this this slide has been a good thing for the Bruins. I've been I, I, I've seen it coming for a while. I talked about it a few weeks ago how I didn't think this team was as good as their record indicated that they were. Um, and at the time that was the best team in the NHL or maybe second. And you know, I, I just what I was watching just wasn't that. I ha- even even last night in in the win in Buffalo, like, like all year I haven't really seen a Bruins team that's just dominated possession five on five and really impose their will. It's it's kind of, you know, it's a team that has really strong goaltending, enough up front, you know, obviously a good back end, but just kind of they they do enough to get wins. Um, but you don't always love the way they look doing it. And I think that's okay. Like I don't I don't need the Bruins to be playing their best hockey um in December as opposed to April. I'm just I just knew that this team wasn't as good as the record indicated and I wasn't allowing myself to be fooled by it. And then here comes the the, the four game losing streak where they looked pretty damn bad in uh, in that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, they're obviously not that bad, but they're somewhere in between. Um, so, so this win against Buffalo, like I just think it's important for them because it's important for them to get slapped in the face a few times throughout the course of the season, which they did. And honestly, the losing streak could have gone a couple extra games. Uh, I wouldn't really have cared. I, I didn't view Buffalo as a must win. Like I, I think that, they have enough cushion in the standings, like keep, you know, keep, keep getting humbled, right. Keep, keep learning tough lessons. And 
but they did pull out the win in Buffalo. And so it seems as though that the break was a good reset for them. Um, I just think it was a good thing for them. I can't watch this team and, and, and you know, coast through regular season thinking that they're, you know, uh, God's gift to, to, to this earth when, when they have, they have deficiencies and they have to, they have to know to work on them. Um, and so I think it was a good thing for them. I still think that the roster, um, needs some upgrades. This current group though, they needed this, I think, and whatever they do going forward, they'll be better off for it. Yeah. And you know, who agrees with you is the Bruins. Um, because they, they've, whether it's Montgomery or players, they've all you know said something along similar lines as to what you're just saying, which is like, you know, last year they didn't face really any adversity in the regular season, certainly not much of it. I think, I think they had one three-game losing streak in there. Um, but, you know, they've all kind of said, like, these are, these are the things that you grow from as a team over the course of the season. And, you know, certainly Montgomery obviously has – the most experience has been around the game the most. So he, you know, knows it, knows it best, but he's, he's talked about that, about how, um, you know, it's, it's, he said today, like you hate it when you're going through it and you get into like a dark space where you wonder like, Oh my God, are we ever going to get out of it? How do we turn it around? And then he said, when you come out the other side, you realize like you've learned the lessons and you've learned things about yourself and how you need to play. And, you know, that you're not going to just go out and dominate like last year's team did. Um, you know, he used the word overwhelm. He said, you know, last year they were able to just overwhelm opponents and they can't do that this year. Like that's, it's a difference between winning on talent and winning on hard work. And last year's team, I think worked hard. Don't get me wrong, but they won a lot of games on talent. And that's not a luxury that this year's team is really going to have. Like if they don't, they don't work hard. They're going to lose to pretty much anyone. And if they're playing a good team like Winnipeg, who is rolling, they're going to get their doors blown off. And like that can be a really humbling experience. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think Buffalo was probably a great team to come out of the break against. And uh, because, you know, they're not, they're not a terrible team. Uh, we thought maybe they might even be, you know, a wild card team this year at some point. It's not too late for them still. Um, but, they also were without it's, it's Taysom. Getting, it's getting late. Get, getting late. It's early, getting a little though. late, but you know they haven't given up yet. Uh, uh, so, uh, it, it did. It was a setback for them, though, that they were without Tage Thompson, who didn't play for a personal reason. Um, and that's obviously a huge part of their five-on-five offense and their power play. Um, and to just kind of like expand on my lead a little bit more into the special teams as a whole, the Bruins killed off all, all six penalties that they got. Um, once again, some weird officiating Marshawn getting, uh, consecutive penalties because he litters the penalty box and freaks out because he doesn't like the cross-checking call. Um, and you know, some of that has to be taken out of the game (laughs) though, though I do know why he was so pissed, um, and can completely understand that. Uh, and you know, maybe the ref should have just looked the other way on that. Some of them will, some of them won't. Uh, but the Bruins ended up taking six penalties and there was at one point in the game where it was like, so many penalties both sides consecutively where it was like five on four, four on four, four on three, five on three, five on four. Like it just kept going back and forth. So special teams was all over the place in this game, but the Bruins definitely won the special teams battle. Yeah. You had the rare situation where 
the Bruins took a penalty and the manpower didn't change because they literally couldn't take another player off the ice. Like, yeah, they all it, already only had three people yeah. on the ice. So, yeah, that that definitely got bunched up with the penalties there in the middle. But you're right, Bruin, you know, Bruins special teams was, was dominant. And, Brian, you mentioned five on five. Like, I know the Bruins end up only scoring once five on five, but I did think they, for the most part, controlled play at five on five as well. And I thought it was one of their better five on five games recently, um, especially like the middle six lines. I thought the Marchand coiled DeBrusque line, um, you know, obviously they, they scored two power play goals with DeBrusque setting up coil, but I thought five on five, that was maybe the best, the best game in a while that like a Marchand coil line has played. I've, I've talked about how like, I didn't think they had very much chemistry at times and didn't really seem to be clicking. Uh, I thought they looked pretty good. And then the the third line, sort of the mismatch line of uh, Van Riemsdyk, Frederick, and Heinen, I thought that line had a good game too. So um, some encouraging signs there as well, even though, yeah, special teams is, is the big story. And, you know, not for nothing, and I know we already talked about Charlie Coyle and how good he is on the penalty kill, but he also was a huge part. Like you said, he was great five on five. He scores two power play goals. He also did a great job on the penalty kill. So did Jake DeBrusque. I, just because of the conversations we've had around Jake DeBrusque this season and in particular recently, I just kind of find myself watching him, like trying to watch the play, but also trying to watch him specifically and, you know, where he's working, where he's hustling, just to, just to, like, make sure I'm not crazy and make sure I'm not, like, missing him, like, slowly going to a puck. Like, from what I saw on his penalty kill, he was working really hard. On the power play, he was working hard. I just thought he had a really um, – he had a game where you can't go, oh, you know, you should have hustled a little harder. It, to me, he looked like he was working hard in all, in, in all strengths, you know, uh, power play, penalty kill, even strength. I and we'll get to him a little bit later, but I just wanted to point that out about like the special teams, him and Coyle, when they're the two forwards on the ice, I thought they did really well. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, so another thing too, that's that I, I think is pretty evident, I think is right now, the way that this, this roster is constructed personnel wise, I, I don't think it's wise to have Martian and Pashnak on the same line. I just don't think uh, there's not enough uh, high end, probably skill to load up just one line uh, because I just think it depletes the rest of the lines. Right. So in a situation like last night where you have them on separate lines, I think that's good. I think it's better for the Bruins. Um, I don't know if you guys feel the same way about keeping them apart. Yeah, I, I agree. And part of the reason I agree is that when Marsha and Pasta have been together, that line hasn't been dominant. Like, in fact, it's struggled at times. Um, so unless you're loading them up and getting like a truly dominant top line that can take over games, then I might understand it because there's going to be times where you might just need that. It might, you might just be in a game where you just need your, your stars to take over. And if they're on the same line, that helps you do it. But if they're not really playing like that and they're kind of up and down and, you know, they have a couple good games and then a couple quiet ones, like that really doesn't do any, do you any good. So yeah, you might as well spread them out and try to get, um, you know, even if you don't have one dominant line, at least a couple lines or ideally three, even four that um, can chip in and create chances on any given night. 